With that, today's teaching brings us back where we left off. Second Kings chapter 6, we'll be moving through um, a very small section because 1 through 7 isn't a long jaunt in the word. The incident was an accident. Okay, that's better. A very famous story from this text of scripture. Elisha is a type of the Lord in terms of the miracles that he does that are done with compassion. And that's what we see. Elijah, his predecessor, the one by whom he learned much in ministry by serving under him, was a judgmental prophet, fiery, stern. There were consequences when there was disobedience, both from God's people as well as those who were enemies of the Lord. He was used mightily by God. And the heart of Elisha, as we've said before, was that God would be glorified in his life, and he wanted a double portion in order to do that. With double portions come at times perhaps double challenges simultaneously all at once. And you're going, how could this be? Well, you asked for a double portion, so I'm giving you some double trouble. And so we will have troubles in our life and we will see people that are troubled in their life. And at times it seems so overwhelming. And how is God going to pull it off to make sense of it to us and to make the sensibility of ultimately what he has done resonate in somebody else's life as my goodness not only is he a good God, he's a great God. He has achieved a miracle in my life in a way that I never thought practicality could play out. Do you look at the practical things that God has done and pay tribute as if it's a miracle, do you? When I was in the room this morning, about 5, 5.30, whatever it was, I went back there and I was anticipating cordoned off zones and uh, do not cross dangerous hard hat zone uh, you will be arrested you know these kinds of things only amazed to see furniture was in place no evidence that anything had ever been done except the difference that was made by those who applied themselves to it I was so impressed that I just came in here sat and said Lord it's a miracle how did you do that? And then it was very evident to reflect, much like we will in this chapter, and to say it was a team of people who love God, who enjoyed fellowship together, who thought it was a good investment of themselves towards that cause. I was in and out of it, but the strength and the accomplishment was to those who from the beginning to the end satisfied it. It's amazing to me. I didn't hear of any griping, any fighting. 
I saw no evidence of careless industry. It's so consummately done. And it just says to me, if we could do that, is anything impossible for God to do that to some might be even greater evidence of him? So I want you to be mindful of kind of this narration because for this man, whom we are going to look at, that means an unnamed individual who in an incident could have found himself in a complex offense as well as a removal from being able to contribute anything more to the projects that were being done. That gives you one aspect of it. But the other was the solution by which Elisha so casually and with cool disposition solves the problem by showing us a picture that any problem in our life can be solved by God if we're choosing to come to him as our God, our practical helper in our time of being overwhelmed in the requirement. So chapter six opens this way. And the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, see now, pay attention to that word, see now. It's really important because when seven closes off, there's gonna be a need to see the things of the spirit. This phrase right now is important because it's, a, it's an evaluation of those who are very intimately connected to Elisha. It's his school. It's those who have sensed a calling on their life. They have a heritage in the fathers that they sat under, that they were raised up for ministry. And Rob said it very clearly today that we are a household, we are a family that's eternal. We are brothers and sisters in the Lord. There's a dynamics. And when we choose to both hang together and accomplish things as one, it's an incredible sight to see if you choose to. See now, they say to him. The place where we dwell with you is too small for us. They're sensing that in their time together, that being in the need of more space, they need to do something about it. In essence, that project back there was similar to it. We were compressed in what we were calling the smaller classroom. The women were the high school, college, we were. And then this vision came, let's expand, let's create a little bit more elbow room. Let's see what we can do to manipulate what it is we have to make it larger for what it is we need. And it was done. Therefore, if expansion is in fact that which God has impressed us to believe in and he's happy and glad to do it, then I'm excited for that. 
you may say, are you alluding to something? I'm alluding to vision that may be in the next day, the month, a year. Why wouldn't I want to see things that are larger than where I'm at presently? That's the eternal perspective. It doesn't have anything to do with being discontented. Discontented is when we become gripers about what it is we've had. I've never griped about what it is we've had and where it is we're enjoying it. Never griped. Oh, I can be gripey at times with people in their dispositions, just like perhaps you've seen in others, not yourself, because you aren't gripers. <laughs> but I at times can see that and feel it. And so really what you're hearing is a rally cry. Elisha, let's do something. It would seem to me that in this phrase, they're saying, we've been growing since you've been leading. We keep getting more and the chairs are used up. Do you believe that the chairs vacated today can be filled sometime tomorrow? Doesn't matter to me. What I'm saying is I would love to see it because it's the evidence of a growth that you would say is divine. Some of you go back with us 11 years. Some of you perhaps just months. You're hearing stuff from this stage that is professional, but I want to emphasize it's professing the attributes of God in poetry and melody. And as I sit here, and I have a very good ear for music, it's as good as any music you could find in any church that has a budget, perhaps tens of thousands of dollars more, and maybe personalities that we would say charismatic. I could not be more impressed than whom God has given to us across the spectrum of age to bless us in coming before his presence. I see that. I herald that. Love this work. Do you see growth even when there's vacancy? Are you willing to believe that something certainly could be done preparatorily for that? That was done, not that we needed more, but it was done because with whom we have, it just seemed good to make a change for them, for our audience, for the women that have enjoyed fellowship together in those studies. If you go back there, if you haven't, it'll be difficult for you to make a comparison. If you have been back there and you see it, you will just, in my opinion, have a heart that beats. You'll just go, now I know what I want to do with my house. Honey, we're going to paint. No. Yes, God gave me a vision. We're going to paint all different colors, every room in the house. We're going to hang little kites from the ceiling to buffer the harshness of the lamps that you got that I told you not to get. And we're going to do it in gray. I love gray because it reminds me of the house of God over there. We must see. These guys are saying, this is what we see. We're growing. And so this is our proposal. That's what we're moving to. 
Dwelling with you is too small. Okay, so let's think big. Verse two, please let us go to the Jordan. I love that. That's a courtesy. Please, we're going to go, whether you're with us or not. Got it? That's one method. The other, though, is that sweet petition. Please let us go to the Jordan. They're not saying those pure, clean rivers in the outland area. They're saying, let's, let's get close to this very special river and go there. Please, can we do it? And let every man take a beam from there. This proposal, this vision is coming from the youth. It's coming from these guys who sat under Elisha. Why should he fear the vision? Very often what I have to do is listen keenly and be excited internally. Even if I have reservations, I have found that if they do not conflict with what the Lord has put on my heart in leading, then I can certainly follow a vision of the young. One of the reasons that I am less a part of the worship band is because I see God's work in the youth. And I haven't lost my voice and I haven't lost my talents and gifts. What I'm doing is I'm getting lost in the congregation. I'm just taking an opportunity to enjoy what at one time I did enjoy. I get to do it kind of just on the sideline for a moment. But the destination has been determined. It's a spiritual place where they want to go. And there's been an instruction that's been uttered. We got to put each man on a beam. What that may mean, we're not sure. Is it a full tree? Does it equivalent to two by fours that could be handled by one man? Not sure. The carpentry back then was rough, milling and so forth. But it does begin to say there's a responsibility and strength that's required from all of us in doing this. And so very often it's one thing to have a vision. Who's going to apply themselves with strength, tenacity? Who's going to help bring in the supply? Right now we have everybody in unanimity. There's nobody griping. They all seem to be in one accord, which by the way, is how the early church grew in one accord. We're going to go to this place and there we may dwell. And so here's Elisha's answer. And perhaps maybe for you, you're able to say, and this is what I need to hear from the Lord. Go. There have been people that in one word obeyed the Lord. The Lord in one word brought me to Brookings. Here's the one word that he said. Come. The Lord in one word moved me years before. He said, go. That was to Mexico. The fruit of that obedience is seen by whom you know as my wife, Christy, and our kids. But you know what? 
I see the fruit of others who have gone. And I've seen the fruit of others who have come. Come and go. Go and come. Make up your mind. The Lord's just dispatching me. It's come and go. We have those who come and go every summer. So blessed to have them come. So confident knowing that as they've come, we know that God's doing a good work as they go. We've had Daniel and Sam, and we've had Jonathan, we've had Christy, we have had Angel come and go. They've been to Israel. Sam and Daniel have a different story. We're going to take an opportunity to hear that sometime about how the Lord prompted them to move into other areas outside of Israel bravely, but obediently. And so Elisha says, go. I just heard a word in my ear the other day that one of our young college interns is going to take it upon himself to do a go. And I'm going, who's inspiring this? Because Griffin received a word to go. And he was going to go there, and then he was going to go there, and then he was going to go somewhere else. And finally he said, I'm going to Budapest. And I said, I'm glad you got the calling and not me. I don't cons- I am a missionary. I used to advertise myself as a missionary, but honestly, visiting a taco stand down in Ensenada and Takata, I don't know. I think the Lord says, that's fine, Rich. You're going to do so well there. And it is missions. It's just not scary missions. Because you're kind of one of those guys that just gets scared. But you'll look real brave. And so he just says, go. Which is important for you guys to know. That that word can imply exactly what you needed to hear. Go. Do what the Lord's put on your heart to do. Go. Go about my business with confidence. Go. Go and start a business with confidence. I'm with you. He just gives that permissive response. Go. I'm one that will use, oh, hold on, buddy. Hold on. What are you taking with you? But very often, that is not what I say. Let me pray is what you will hear me say. Let me pray. So there is important industry that is now beginning to unfold because the vision by practical examination is we're getting big. I want you to believe that we're getting big. You can't do things that we clearly see are being done by wonderful people that you are without there being the belief that we're getting big. We're getting big in our faith to do things that perhaps for others would require an amazing budget. We don't have that. We're on a shoestring just like your homes may be. There's times in which, as well, a church can be both endowed with wealth 
but it can also be endowed with riches that are of the spirit and of belief. Go, he says. And so now we find ourselves at the place that is what they proposed. In the go is the place. And at the place, work needs to be done. One said, please consent to go with your servants. And he answered, I will go. This is the second point that I want to make. Do you ask by the consent of the Lord, in which he says, go, do you say, perfect, I will. Would you come with us? Lord, I thank you for inspiring me to do this, but I'm not leaving if you're not coming. And I do believe, Lord, that you would be with me, not forsaking me. You've said that. But very often I can get arrogant and I can forget the need of asking you, join me. That was one of the things that gave great precaution to the children of Israel. If you're not coming with us, I'm not going. That was rendered by Moses. If I understand where you've put me in authority and I've got a lot of people that are willing to follow. It doesn't mean anything to me. They're not exactly always encouragers of me. You've got to go with me and then I can do it. And that's one of the things that's really important as well, that in everything that we do, we say, Lord, go with me. When John Herzog decides to go for an adrenaline rush, he comes looking for my sons. <laughs> he is one of the happiest contemporaries that I've been with. Actually, there's many of you that are like that, but John, he loves the out of doors. He swims rivers and oceans. And as you know, he invited Spencer to go on a parachute trip, jumping out of, it was probably a jet and they just haven't told me that, but it's 18,000 feet for a one minute free, 14,000 wasn't good enough. They wanted the one minute free fall. To me, that's just lingering screaming. You know, that's all it would have been for me. But I can just kind of hear them go as the instructor tied to them, get him to the door and it's go. And they're free falling. And so the thing is, is that I know that before they went, I prayed for them. Once in the men's circle, prayer breakfast, independently as well. I was kind of hoping that Spencer would go, you know, since you prayed, the Lord has, has changed my steps, my heart. I'm not going with John. He can free fall and scream all he wants to. But I couldn't turn Spencer's heart. I wanted to, but he said, the Lord's with me. That's what we need to be able to say. Lord, Elisha, I want you to come with me. And the answer is, I will go. So that might be a confirming word. Lord, thank you for the go. And will you come with me? Yeah, I'll come. And so we went with them, the student body. And when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. There's the industry. You'll see where this is going because there's going to be a little bit of a stall on one person who's a participant. For it says, but as one was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water and he cried out and said, alas, 
Master, for it was borrowed. In the time of purposed accomplishment, there can be delays that is affecting everyone or a delay that may cause you to be less effective with everyone. This was an incident in which what has happened causes him to be less effective with everyone. And there would certainly be enough strength that who's going to see, who's going to know, it doesn't matter. I'll sit down, I'll read a book, I'll just say goodbye and pick up my stuff and go. I was into it until something happened in which I'm out of it. And so there is an important need to have a tenacity that once you're in it and something has happened, which is the incident, a part of the title, it's the loss for him of a tool. Everyone seemingly has one. He has one. And it's a picture of what can happen when progress is being made that all of a sudden you're without what you started with. But the terminology here returns once again to the Lord. Master. He's master over every event in our life and in the industry of achievement for him. I've always felt this is one of the most important lessons I learned growing up in ministry. I used to see prayer circles develop in churches families being with families, elders being with those who asked for prayer. But one of the most important things was just simply ministry teams. And so I know that when that event started, it was started in prayer. And I know that when there were challenges about what to do, very often what happens is let's huddle, let's come on in and let's go ahead and ask, Lord, what would you do? Really, we don't have that right now. Let's ask the Lord to help us find it. Many times there was, I don't know what I did with this. I'm not sure what happened to that. I need it. Let's go ahead and pray for it. Hey, does anybody have my keys? That's going to be important for you to have your keys. Because when the job's done, we want to be able to see that you get home. Or that you don't have keys that carelessly could also be put into someone else's hands that has a key to this door. And they might love what they find in here. Not the Lord, but the stuff of the Lord's. We've been pretty good at donating things lately. The cutting down of the tree, industry in progress, progress stops for one. This individual is modeling for us what we do when there's a hiccup, we pray. If you knew how many times on those family retreats the Lord causes, provokes the discipline of prayer to be invoked, I think that it would occupy several pages of a journal. Rob and Ida probably will never join us again because they're always the ones that are being used to bring in the analysis of what's wrong with the boat now. I don't know, Rob, but let's pray. <laughs> we need the master's help. His analysis is always great. Ida too, they work together this was the second season which they worked as if they were a part of the Air Force. They were just helping the Navy out. Master, for it was borrowed. That's something as well that I want to look into as well in the scriptures. 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, flip over there very quick. Because it may provide as well reasoning for you. 1 Corinthians... I'm going to zip over to verse 19. And the emphasis on the wording back here was on it was borrowed. And the emphasis here is that you and I are vessels that in essence we have no ownership of ourselves meaning that everything that we do is intended to have meaning for the God who gives us opportunity. This speaks about our responsibility. I'm going to emphasize really just the phrase, not the exhortation. It's the phrase in verse 19 that we're the temple of the Holy Spirit, and it says that he's in us, whom you have from God, and you are not your own. Verse 20 for you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. The incidences that come up that very often seem to be harassments to us, inconveniences, when we're stopped in our tracks, is the very opportune moment to say, God, I'm not my own got ahead of myself. I had too much in my head to really be able to focus as I ought to have on the mission that I'm a part of. And so I always look at those hiccups as this is God. For me, when it happened, I always value the ones who with mechanical giftings can make assessments. Robin Ida's assessment on the boat helped me to say the catchphrase that was necessary for the boat repairman to say, I can do that. If I didn't have the catchphrase, he would have probably said, Rich, you're a problem to me. And I've got 10 boats ahead of you. I can't solve that one for you right now. But because I had the catchphrase that was given to me by Robin Ida, I was able to say that one thing in which he says, I can get you in. Give me a call when you're on your way. And then three hours later, we're ready for sailing the next day. But I know that the reason for it was that I would be sent to have a problem solved while I was also a messenger to be able to pray for the one who solved it, to give God the glory. Help me, I'm desperate. God was saying, you're not fully understanding. That man's desperate to hear you pray for his work and his wife. They work hard but they love you, Rich. You have favor with them. But I want you to let them know that I love them. So not only are you going to pray for them before the work, you're going to pray concluding the work, and you're going to also pray with them when you give them more money than they've asked for because that's my favor to them. And every year you may be plagued with a boat that's intended to send you as a messenger for help that you might pray for them. And so the reason that this tag is important is that when this man is crying out, it is the picture of what you and I as well may find ourselves having to do, reestablish ourselves 
I don't own myself. I don't have the pink slip on my life. God owns me until he brings me to home. This tenure is under his management, his ownership. So even though the circumstance troubles me, I wish I weren't in it. This is embarrassing because everybody else is getting to finish what they've started. I'm out of the game right now. And now I have to tell master. The master is totally into solving the problem. So that's a good anchor verse to go with right now for that. Returning to this, this is the answer that he receives. And it's wonderful. So the man of God said, really important to notice this, guys, because what happens when people can come to us in a time of need is the indictment. Well, you deserve what you got. Well, this is where you're at. Well, weren't you a fool? How many times have I implied that you shouldn't have done that? You know what everybody else is doing. You've been with us long enough not to have allowed this to be an incident, but it was. It was. And so the answer is important of what we say to those who humbly say, I've got a problem. Here's the solution. Where did it fall? Jesus makes those questions to us as well. Where did it happen? And where are you at? Where are you at? He showed him the place, so he cut off a stick and threw it in there, and he made the iron float. This is something that can be paralleled. Proverbs 27, 17, if you'll turn there for me. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. This is about an iron axe head, but the picture also may be indicative symbolically of why it's important for brothers and sisters to be together. That as iron does sharpen iron, then it's important to find that missing piece. You know, this brother that came in and walked and took a front seat, I heard him say something to the degree of thank you. My thoughts are as there was a sincerity in it, there could have been a sarcasm in it, I don't know. It may have been the best that he could do was to come in and grab a seat and look at the cross. Because this picture about how the axe head was retrieved is a picture of the cross. Elisha shows it by taking wood that changed the situation. The cross always is intended to change the situation in a person's life. Moses at times was required to use both a staff, which was a picture of that, as well as what Elisha is doing. He's tossing in a spiritual symbol of a miraculous need to retrieve something that now is gone, utterly lost. 
by the currents alone, an axe could be pushed to the side. Remember what we see here is the axe head is what got thrown off of the handle. The man still had the handle, but he didn't have the object that needed to be on that handle to be effective. And therefore, God's very concerned about the parts that are necessary to get the job done. It wasn't simply, oops, I let go of the handle and it goes flying. He had the handle. The axe head, though, very likely by concussive force on the blows that very likely he had landed that blade, the concussive, you know, movement and the fact that maybe that axe head had not been watched, not been tended, it couldn't withstand that pressure any longer. Could be that the blade wasn't as sharp as it needed to be, and we know that sometimes the worst injuries in carpentry and handling industrial equipment is that it wasn't sharp as it needed to be. God wants us to be as sharp as he intends us to be so that our work is very clean and effective. But again, the disposition of Elisha is, show me where it's at. No fault here. We'll take care of it. We'll get it back. We will get it both back on the handle and the handle will be effective once it's in your hands. And so this axe head, it says, having fallen off and now having by this miraculous work of tossing in the tree, he made the iron float, came right back up. God does miraculous things. If that guy that took a seat was overwhelmed by the Spirit in a special way, I know that I've seen him before, but I don't remember when. I don't remember when. I know that I would have been kind. I know that if we did meet, something would have been said, obviously, about the Lord. Prayer would have been given. Maybe it's so strong in here of the sense of the Spirit that it was overwhelming him. I don't know. I don't think he was being sarcastic. I heard a thank you. And I know the Lord would have heard that. And therefore, verse 7, he said, pick it up for yourself. So he reached out his hand and took it. And this is what God very often says to us. Take responsibility because I've helped you in this. Now let's get back to work on it. Don't quit. We've all had quitting experiences. We've been fired. I think I have twice. It's not fun. It, it's, a, it's a terrible feeling that you have of rejection. And will God ever use me? It's brutal. And some people give up living because of that. That isn't the way we have to treat it. What we have to say, it's a change of assignments, and it's humiliating right now, and I wish I didn't have to go through this or what people would think as a result of it. But I'm going to continue because this now has been put into my hands. Pick it up for yourself. And so he reached out his hand and he took it. There's other implications, obviously, in this. But in closing, I do want to be able to say, 
that whenever the Lord is doing a great work of growth in your life, there will be ultimately in that the necessity to come into community and to be available in the industry of living out your life spiritually, but not in your own strength, not in your own merit, but completely relying on God, doing what you can, but always calling upon the Lord to do what you can't. Very important in spiritual life. Do what you can, but call upon the Lord to do what you cannot do and what you know you can't do. And it's an exciting time when the church understands that discipline and as well the benefits of being in a family that will benefit from your diligence and your perseverance because they saw what you were going through in a time of loss and you called upon the Lord and he gave it back to you. Very likely the man would apply himself to sharpening that ax. Asking how could it be better assembled? Don't know. We're just seeing a beautiful restorative regenerative work in the life of a participant in a godly work of building. Thank you guys for being a part of building the house of God by taking a seat in the house of God.